Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, May 27th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott. I think we have breaking news this morning, so we might as well do that one first. Broadcom and VMware, right? Yeah, you know, VMware, which has been a target in the past, it's a very attractive software company for bigger companies uh, based here in Silicon Valley. Broadcom, which has become this uh, sort of Frankenstein monster of, of many, many software acquisitions offering uh, $61 billion. And it's interesting, as we talk, uh, you know, the deal just announced this morning, um, the stock price of VMware not yet recognizing the premium. It's about nine, ten billion dollars. We are recording this on Thursday morning because you're back in court again tomorrow. Right. So as of Thursday morning, the deal announced, um, and I wonder if Wall Street is a little hesitant to jump, uh, you know, on the VMware wagon uh, just because it's Broadcom, which is so big um, that. Uh, you know, it, I think antitrust people will be looking at this deal pretty closely. Not that VMware is that gigantic, but $61 billion is one of the biggest deals. It would be one of the biggest deals in tech history up there with Dell, up there. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, um, I think Microsoft. In software, in software. Right. Remember, Microsoft bought or is buying Activision. I think that was $67 billion. Um, You know, I believe Dell had a $63 billion. And these are just staggeringly big figures. Uh, but I think it also uh, bodes for what we're going to see, which are larger companies that are, you know, trying to stay relevant and large, taking out the smaller companies that are flat out struggling in the current economy, which has been brutalizing tech stocks. Well, recessions are great acquisition times, right? Yes. You know, you can get you can get things 50 cents on the dollar, 25 cents on the dollar. Uh, are, is, is Broadcom being premature on this? I mean, could they have waited? I mean, looking at the stock market right now, they could have waited a few more weeks or months and gotten maybe a real bargain. I mean, that really depends because look at the last few weeks or months, stock prices have tumbled. How do we know that they're going to stay this low? You're yeah. right. They may get lower. Um, you know, this is sort of what Elon Musk has been going through with Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, you just can't time the market if you want to take somebody out and you're already seeing discount prices, um, you know, traditionally, historically, the successful companies have made their move, not necessarily because the price may go up again, but they've made their move before the competitors make the move. And that's what makes them successful. Well, I mean, this thing had been rumored for a while. They must have had some serious nego last 11th hour negotiations. Yeah, and I mean, given the government scrutiny that traditionally comes with a Broadcom deal, I imagine there's going to be a lot more paperwork flying around in the days ahead. Well, that was the one piece of good news I had. <laughs> uh, I should also mention Jack Dorsey just stepped down from the board of Twitter. Boy, now that is a whole life cycle right there. I mean, he was the, he was the most noticed man on earth for about two months there, and now he's completely stepped away and Elon has filled the void. What do you think Dorsey does now? You know, he's I mean, still he's running- a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's not uh, downplay the fact that he's still running Square, which has not been bought by a gigantic bank as I once thought they would. 
Um, and, and they may still, you know, they're, they're doing things way ahead of the traditional financial system, uh, both in technology, but also in crypto. And I think that's going to be attractive to big banks. Um, I mean, goodness, if the deal goes through of Musk buying Twitter, Jack Dorsey's sitting on yet another gigantic pile of money. He can do whatever he wants. And he's still a young man. I mean, there's a lot of potential for him to um, not just get into another company, uh, but, you know, maybe some philanthropic activities, maybe some, you know, he's talked about his love for crypto and, and sort of dissecting that. So I, I don't think we've heard, and I hope we haven't heard the last of Jack Dorsey. I've interviewed him many times. He's a fascinating figure, um, complex, uh, interesting, um, and I think there's more to come. See, I think the Unabomber beard was a clue. I really do. I mean, one of my rules is when you see a grown man change their facial hair, what they really want to do is change their life. Funny and that you're not the first person that I've heard that from. That's interesting. I've heard that from a few people. That's interesting. Yeah. So, and the pictures of him on a, relaxing on that Caribbean island or whatever he was doing, that's a man that wants to get away. He wants a Robinson Crusoe, his life for a while. <laughs> so, okay, well, good luck to him. Um, let's talk about stocks. As you mentioned, stocks have been, have been hurting. Uh, NVIDIA, you know, NVIDIA is a pretty high flyer. Right. And they got, uh, they got hit this week because they had a weak guidance. Not even bad numbers, just weak guidance on an on a analyst call. Yeah, you know, the, the NVIDIA story has been strong for so long. Um, but like many high-flying companies, it's been pretty much cut in half stock price-wise over the last six, seven months. But um, you're right. The forecast is what's doing NVIDIA in um, and keeping it from going back to where it was, not so much the performance. And forecasting has got to be really, really tough right now. Look at all the clouds that are ahead. Um, even for a chip company, you know, they're not necessarily dependent on Russian energy or the price of crypto or whatever. But NVIDIA especially has become so built into, uh, you know, AI and right. electric cars. And, and not to mention all the research that's being done with high powered chips. They've really become a leader. They've overshadowed Intel and the others and good for them. But then again, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. And they're still trading. I mean, what is their uh, market value right now, it's, you know, something like $400 billion. I mean, for NVIDIA, that's, that's an impressive number. Uh, they're no longer the sort of scrappy upstart. Um, right. But, but yeah, it's, it's tough out there. And, and they were also one of those companies that really benefited during the pandemic because everybody was upgrading their hardware. You know, the, the old notion that you got to put your eggs in more than one basket. I mean, you, you get out of the vertical world of business quickly as possible, get into I'm in multiple markets. The problem is during times like this, all the baskets are getting overturned. So, and also when you're the highest flyer, everyone expects you to be doing, you know, hitting on all eight cylinders, doing perfectly. So any sign of weakness of the number one company, they get it, they get pummeled. Right. And that's why they tell you sell high, because sometimes when your stock price is really high, um, yeah. it doesn't deserve to be that high, no matter how strong no, it's, it's getting, it's getting that added Delta there of good feelings that you're the, you're the winner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, snap. Tell me about snap. They got hammered. Yeah. Snap had a rough beginning to the public markets and people questioned whether they were a really 
strong social network that deserve to be publicly traded, then they really, really turn things around and prove that, hey, they can generate ad revenue uh, with the best of them. But now they're getting taken out to the woodshed and just beaten up because it's a social network. Um, their ad warning, they're now big enough, by the way, and, and respected enough where their revenue warning took down other social networks. So right. Snap now has a little bit of standing in the world. But um, like so many social networking companies, I mean, look what happened to Facebook's valuation, not to mention the weirdness around Twitter, uh, which I think would be considerably lower if it weren't a takeover target. Uh, Snap right now could very well be a takeover target because it's suddenly very, very cheap. But uh, there's a company a a lot of people like, but it's it's tough on the public. This is a different one, though, because Twitter and Facebook are scandals. Snap, they got the Kraken out there, right? TikTok. Right. which is just killing everything as, as it moves through the countryside, it's crushing one village after another. Yes. Uh, you know, long-term, the TikTok seems to be unstoppable right now. I mean, the only pushback I would give there is I would never use the term long-term with social networking. We've Yeah, especially a kid's, a kid's social network because they could decide tomorrow morning. Exactly. But for the short term, TikTok is doing a lot of damage out there. It really is. I mean... And I can tell you, having teens, I mean, TikTok is the go-to place for social networking, social interaction. It stuns me, but young people say that TikTok is now even where they get their news. And um, it's just- Well, that gives us hope for the future, doesn't it? I mean, again, you can't speak of the long-term future with any of these companies. But right now, TikTok has hit on the magical combination, which is- uh, Letting out, letting users generate content for other users. TikTok doesn't have to, you know, Netflix this thing and pay for content. It just exists yeah. and pulls in the ad revenue. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's so interesting to see how this company has stayed away from the public markets. It's still controversial because it's Chinese owned. You know, how much of that is being run by Americans. And the whole thing is fascinating, but it is just a juggernaut. I think TikTok, and we've talked about this before, is even more responsible for the decline in Netflix shares than Apple Plus or Disney or Peacock or any of the others. I think the young people right now are just tuning into themselves, and that's what they want to see. You know, and I also think it's one of those, TikTok is one of those places that they don't have to worry about adults moving in, like Facebook, because you take one look at TikTok and just the sheer chaos and the weird content and all that. And you just, as an adult, you just go, yeah, I think I'll visit that again next year. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you. Grandma's not moving on to TikTok anytime soon and doing videos of herself, you know? Right. I mean, it is really, really focused on the young people. They are controlling it. I can tell you firsthand newsrooms around the country are thinking, how do we get on TikTok? And it's a tough thing to break into because like you say, there's there's a certain chaos. There's a, a very short-term attention span um, as opposed to a business model that is, hey, give this some thoughtful time to think about and digest. That's not what's happening on yeah, TikTok. Yeah, no thoughtful time on TikTok. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the the increasing wreckage of the economy right now and tech stocks. You know, I sense the penumbra. We're starting to feel the larger impact of this. I noticed some houses in my neighborhood that went up for sale that were selling, you know, before lunch at extraordinary prices. You know, houses listed $2 million selling for 2.8, you know, overnight. And now all of a sudden the for sales are going, signs are going up. And it's, they're not moving as fast. 
and right. real estate and people seem to be really starting to flog it. I'm getting flyers, multiple flyers every day around here. Right. Well, you know, you were right to bring up the overall economy because as interest rates go up, it's starting to affect mortgage rates and mortgage rates. Granted, they're not what our parents paid back in the late 70s and 80s at like 18, 19 percent. But still, when they creep to 5 percent and higher, and especially here in Silicon Valley, when you're talking about these, you know, two point five million dollar homes, all of a sudden the buy in. Uh, you know, the down payment becomes super intimidating, not to mention the monthly mortgage rate that uh, these people are expected to pay to own a home. Um, And so you have more homes, and this is interesting, more homes coming on the market as people get less weirded out about people walking through their houses, more homes on the market, but prices are going up and fewer homes are selling. So now for the first time in a while, you're seeing some inventory out there that's not just you know, moving and selling by that afternoon, um, because buyers are understandably hesitant about jumping into this market that is a getting more expensive because of the current economic climate. And I think more houses are going on the market right now because couples are looking at their vulnerability. You know, they've got huge payments dependent upon both of them working. And now they're starting to get kind of vibes that maybe at their company, there could be a layoff coming up, that sort of thing. And you don't want to be stuck with, you know, one job and a gigantic house payment. And you're paying gigantic house payments right now if you just bought a house in the last two years. Exactly. And it's not just layoffs. It's the decline in the value of their stock options. Yes. Uh, as you know, here in Silicon Valley, a lot of people, I, I would say, a lot of people, <laughs> maybe not the majority, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, are buying houses with stock options. And if you're seeing the stock prices go so far dramatically lower quickly, that puts the fear of you saying, wait a minute, all of a sudden, when I add up my option worth, it's not enough to put 20% down on a $2 million house. And so, yeah, you're seeing people step back and say, I just don't have that money right now because- Job or no, my, my stock option value is all of a sudden much lower than it was. Yeah, and, and, get, you know, and you know people every day sit there and look at their option and they, and they go on the, you know, look at the stock listing, they do the multiplication, they go, okay, we're still good. Now I think they're starting to really think, well, maybe we're not that good. Maybe the stock isn't going to come back that fast. And when you got economists saying this could go, you know, the inflation go on for a long time. People forget, uh, youngster, that uh, during the last, you know, the 70s recession, the numbers went up, you know, five, 6%. But then what happened was the only way that you can get out of stagflation is you got to pull that trigger on interest rates to slow everything down. And that's when it suddenly jumped from 6%, 8%. So that could still be in our future out there. Everyone's being optimistic. It's probably not going to happen. I think Morgan Stanley or one of those said 35% chance of a, of a recession. Well, I have no idea where they got that number. Uh, I suspect they just picked it out of a hat, how they feel today. But, you know, we're only a few weeks here from finding out if we're actually officially in an economic recession. I I agree. And psychological effect on people. Right. Everything you said is true, you know, <laughs> young or not. And one of the ways to, to track that is what's going on here in Silicon Valley. You're seeing fewer speculative investments. You're seeing the prices of things like crypto drop. You're seeing way, way fewer SPACs 
Um, and that's investors sort of wising, you know, sobering up from that hangover and saying, we're not seeing the returns on these risky speculative investments. And that's sort of the first thing to dial back. And also, yeah, people are not spending millions of dollars on houses as much as they were even a few weeks ago. So I think we're starting to see some of these telltale signs of people getting nervous. And yeah. that's when everything slows down here. Well, I think when you walk in your local supermarket and shelves are empty, that's enough to make you nervous right there. That's a different kind of nervousness, but yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, okay, Mark Zuckerberg. It seems like the only time we hear about Mark now is there's another scandal or another problem. So he's getting sued by the uh, Washington, D.C. Attorney General. He's suing uh, Mark for Zuckerberg for claiming he was personally involved in the... Uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica data breach. Yeah, they use, I, they, they use Facebook data, right? Right. Well, they use the data we were giving Facebook. Yes. Yes, we were get, They took the data we had in Facebook and Facebook. They got from there. Right, and some is people there, agreed, any, but is, others. Is there didn't. any legs on this? I mean, there there might be. Remember, um, privacy is a big issue right now. Cambridge Analytica was a huge scandal, and yeah. even to get back to the first thing you said, we don't hear about Zuckerberg as much. That is a conscience conscious effort by Facebook and its marketing team to sort of move Zuckerberg to, you know, hey, he's our scientist guy now, not the front man, um, because he just hasn't been a good front man for Facebook. And uh, but yeah, these lawsuits, I don't know how much they have in terms of legs, but it's yet another damaging thing to bring up one of, and this is saying something, one of Facebook's biggest scandals in recent memory, uh, Cambridge Analytica. And I think the DC attorney general is sort of putting out that trial balloon to see if other states will jump on. Right now, there's a lot happening in the news, both sure. politically and otherwise, economically. So I don't know if that will you know, be, be met with as much appetite, but um, there are a lot of AGs out there that are concerned about the privacy of their citizens. And once again, we're heading into an election cycle and Facebook is under a lot of scrutiny. Um, you know, it just goes to show, your PR department can't hide you completely if, if you know, and for, I think for, for a while now, Zuckerberg is going to be a target. Part of it is those Zuckerbucks. I mean, there, I think there's a political thing. I think, I think the, the conservative side of Congress is, you know, really upset about the money he threw out there in the election. So they're not going to be giving him any breaks either. And they may be behind this as well. I mean, we're watching both sides of the aisle taking shots at, companies like Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg's becoming the whole face of the, of the social network industry now, now that Dorsey's gone and Elon isn't quite in yet. Right. And I, I would argue he, he wasn't a terrific face for, for the industry or for Facebook. Um, and there, there's got to be damage control there. Uh, Facebook has lost half its market value in the last year. Uh, and, you know, it can only be propped up so much by the likes of Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, given that, you know, it changes its name to meta, it's trying to do this whole metaverse thing that people don't understand and are not jumping into. And by the way, is another significant privacy risk. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, it's, I don't expect and, and wouldn't, you know, advise Facebook to just, hey, take some time off and just relax because companies don't do that. And I know that, but everything it jumps into, it seems, is fraught with controversy and problems. Uh, and it just hasn't figured a way out of that you when know, is their annual? When's their annual shareholders meeting? They just had it a couple of days ago. 
no riots, no mutiny. I mean, everybody's still 100% behind a company that's lost half of its stock value? No, absolutely not. No riots and no mutiny, but no, not 100%. There were lots of comments and complaints. And, you know, I mean, if you're a shareholder in the long term, you're still doing well. Um, but if you're a shareholder in the last year, you've watched your uh, your value crumble and your, you know, your head guy is still getting sued for things that happened years ago. So no, it's not a good time. And what if you don't buy into the metaverse or, you know, the Oculus? I mean, there are reasons right now where people who are still in it, investor-wise for the long term, have to take a leap of faith. And they're leaping without their legs because they get cut off in the metaverse. So it's, 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 a, it's a fraught time for Facebook right now. Well, I think we'll be able to tell if something big is going to happen if we see, keep your eye on, on Zuckerberg. If he suddenly grows a ponytail or a, a goatee. There you go. He looks like Spock in the other universe. <laughs> then we'll know that, uh, you know, he's about to make a major change in his, his life. Right, he'll go on those meditation retreats like Dorsey. Like, like that loop back to Dorsey. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> Elon's the next one. Or it could be Elon. Okay, so... Uh, we have a couple items on Elon this week. We have to always have an Elon item, but he insists upon it. Um, okay, one thing is he's got he has so for, so much free time and so few worries that he now has time to contemplate and worry about population declines in Japan, South Korea, Italy, and Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem with all of this, whether it's you know, Tesla or the Twitter buyout is he just can't stay off Twitter. He, he can't stop. And I imagine the advisors around him are having this similar, um, you know, pulling their hair out as Donald Trump's advisors did about Twitter. Um, especially I mean, especially at Tesla. Yeah, right. right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and he just can't stay off. Um, he's I, I, I just can't figure it out. I mean, he taunts the SEC, which given that he runs public companies is a terrible idea. He has called people, you know, who are heroes for rescuing children, pedophiles. Um, again, what was he thinking? Um, and it's just, it's this rolling snowball of bad uh, decisions and, and why say everything. I, I just, I can't figure it out. I, I communicate for a living and I just cringe uh, when I see how much and, and the content that he puts out there and the blowback. I think he enjoys it. Nobody can constrain him. Right. And I think he enjoys it. And, and, you know, he's had financially a disastrous week. Yeah. Period. End of story. He's still the richest man in the world. But if you're a Tesla shareholder over the last few weeks, and you're not the richest person in the world, you're saying, uh, maybe I no longer have enough for that down payment. Hey, thanks, Elon, for going online and creating more controversy and damaging my value. And, and that's, I think, what a lot of people are saying in frustration right now. But can 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 any board, can Tesla board any any of them do a Steve Jobs with them and say you know you're out of control, you're distracted from running this company, you become a burden as opposed to an advantage, and say yes. it's time to become chairman emeritus of Tesla or something like that. I mean the short answer is yes they can, but would they? And is he surrounding himself with yes men? Uh, huh? Interesting. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, th there's no, there's no sense in any of this, um, except you know you can't argue with the successful part of what he's done. But uh, you now have an entire 
Twitter thread of people coming on saying he's courting conservatives, but who buys EVs? Liberals. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, you know, why not buy an EV and not pollute no matter what political party you are? But there is a point to that. And if people who are looking at Tesla are saying, I don't like this guy's politics, I'm going to look elsewhere. And by the way, there are now other places to look for EVs. Uh, That damages Tesla's bottom line. Why? Because the head guy had to tweet out strange things. and and Which is why CEOs traditionally stayed out of politics. Right. I mean, you've got to hire somebody to to just rein in your CEO. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the history of Silicon Valley is companies firing founders. You know, he's got a he's got kind of an Al Shugart vibe around him right now that you don't know what the next thing he's going to say is. You know, I mean, even TJ rain, knew it knew enough to rein it in. Um, I'm, I'm almost getting an Al Capone vibe here, which is, you know, you get so big and so powerful that. United States government decides to take you down. You know, because you're becoming an obstacle, you're becoming a threat in some way. I don't think Elon's a threat to the federal government, but I think if if the, these major companies, he, if he gets Twitter to start swinging wildly and, and becoming controversial because of his remarks, you know, there's going to be a problem. And, and and case in point, we've now seen the first sexual assault accusation against him. You know, I don't know if I, but knowing Elon, I, I doesn't seem likely, but, you know, it happens to other guys. It doesn't seem likely with it, you know, you know. So this, this woman on an air, on one of his private, on his private plane, a stewardess, I guess, said that, you know, I won't go into the sort of details, but, you know, powerful people that get out there in the public eye, it seems like there's always one of these waiting in the wings. It might be an actual true story. It might be enemies who have, you know, putting someone out there. And, you know, if if the case doesn't go anywhere, she might disappear, you know, as we've seen before after the accusations made. But it's, it's also a history of powerful men who can't keep yeah. it to themselves. And, I, I, you know, it, it does damage to CEOs. It does damage to, obviously, his reputation and the reputation of others. And we've seen it time and time again, where powerful men think they have carte blanche to do what they want. And yeah, because it's Elon, it's a little extra sorted, a little strange. I mean, he offered her a horse. Come on. I mean, that's almost a unique Elon thing that makes me say. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, and yeah, he's a, you know, a cocky guy who's arrogant. And so, yeah, um, I, you know, you read this and you cringe, not just because there was a horse offer involved, but just because, again, a powerful guy. Who right. says I'm going to do what I want and take advantage of others, and that's damaging to everything we've just talked about. Um, and now you have this cringe factor of Twitter people, Tesla owners, everybody who's saying, "Hey, our guy might be a creep," and nobody he wants might be. And then to take play devil's advocate, you read about famous people, folks come out of the woodwork and and accuse them, figuring they can get a settlement. So these guys are writing checks and now they've now they have a paper trail of writing checks to women. Right. You know, uh, and, and so it, it's and there's almost no way unless you fully adjudicate it with a lot of testimony and everything else to figure out if it's true or not, because you can make a pretty good case that it looks true sure. or it looks like just another, you know, 
con person trying to get money out of a rich person by getting a buy-off. You know, I, I just, it's hard to know these things and you, you hesitate to render judgment until you hear more. I mean, I think it's easy to render judgment. He's an arrogant guy who has too much power and too much money and he's using it. Clearly he doesn't have self-control over what he's saying, allegedly over what he's doing. And, um, you know, uh, we see this time and time again. And we'll see. I mean, but I, I've seen him in action, like among, you know, around a lot of pretty college girls at Oxford University. He didn't even seem to notice, you know, I, and, and yet, you know, he's got just, what two wives now so far, you know, it's hard to keep up, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just don't know. But uh, once again, Elon's going to be in the news one way or another. Right. Okay, before we run out of time, real quick, uh, this is from Jordan. He noticed that uh, Microsoft is not stealthily, but pretty quietly making its move into the Android world. You know, Seth, there's Windows now for uh, Android 12.1. Microsoft's pretty cagey right there. Right, and I think, I think Jordan's right. This is a big potential move for Microsoft because Android is still selling a gazillion phones. It's sort of the Android versus Apple world. Apple is closed off. Um, Android, though, is still open and with a lot of security concerns. And, and I think Microsoft can potentially make some inroads here, not just because you know, we, they want Windows everywhere, but also maybe to put some Android users as, as at ease that they can use this platform and download these apps more safely. That would be a win for everybody. Um, but remember, there was a day not that long ago when Microsoft was working with Apple. Um, but now I think it's it's better uh, target, if you will, is, is going to be Android. And it'll be in interesting to see if Microsoft can make some inroads there to, um, you know, just give it a perhaps a stronger, safer platform. Yeah, you know, and Microsoft, Windows, most venerable, most popular operating system in history. You know, I mean, it's not the greatest, but no, I was going to say it also may bring more bugs to the Android system. And yeah, I don't know if anybody wants that. Yeah. But I think some people, I think the, the larger audience may feel safer, you know, being able to port their windows over and that sort of thing. You know, not not techies like in the Valley, but, you know, out there in the Midwest, people that are, you know, still using AOL for mail. <laughs> I don't know anybody that does that, do I? Right. I keep it just because I'm a man of the people. <laughs> I keep it. I keep it as an archival, historical. Uh, sure, you do. Collectible <laughs> on my computer. I'm going to sell an NFT one of these days. Okay, another one. Uh, Andreessen Horowitz. Mark has made his move. He's raising a 4.5 billion dollars for a crypto fund. Uh, that sounds like a guy. You know, never underestimate underestimate Mark Andreessen. I think he's the smartest guy I know. And if he's going into crypto, he's going in. He's bargain hunting. He thinks they're going to get flattened so bad in this recession, he's going to be able to pick this stuff up for a song. The love of crypto, I've I've decided, will no longer ever uh, surprise me. And Andreessen Horowitz has got a lot of money. I mean, look, how committed is this guy to crypto? A16Z, which is Andreessen Horowitz, you know, their crypto yeah. fund is backing, I believe, to the soon of $70 million. Um, <laughs> the Newmans, Adam and Rebecca Newman, who we remember from WeWork fame, uh, they are raising money for, of course, a crypto fund. Oh, sure. Of course. Andreessen Horowitz is in, which means the Newmans are back with Silicon Valley money 
in a crypto fund. That sentence alone defines anything you need to know and about. And we wouldn't go into a cryptocurrency that was run by the people that gave us WeWork. WeWork. I, uh, <laughs> why not? Why not? I mean, goodness gracious, he just couldn't take the money and leave. I, I, I usually end this, I'm trying to, on a funny note or a positive note, but uh, not this week. Uh, real quick, the Stellantis CEO, that's a, you know, a company that uh, is into EV. Uh, their CEO has warned that uh, there's going to be a shortage of EV batteries by 2024, 25, followed by a lack of raw materials for the vehicles by 2027 or 2028. There's something to look forward to. So you can't get gas for your car. You're not going to be able to get batteries or raw materials for your electric vehicle. Uh, Grove wrote to me and said, great, gas prices high, battery shortages, time to buy a bicycle. We're back to 1895. I think he's right. Buy a bicycle, get the horses and wagons ready because the price of gas will will drop eventually. But look, if we can't get what we need supply-wise to, you know, get cars, not to mention EVs, um, we're in trouble. And and that's going to be something that, again, I think we're going to look to Silicon Valley and innovation and say, hey, get us out of this problem because it's a big problem. But, um, you know, all of a sudden, any car you have that's any age is looking like, uh oh, am I going to be able to replace this? And yeah, uh, yeah. who would imagine in, if you're talking to somebody in 1900 and they said, what do you think is the future of horseless carriages? And you replied, horse-drawn carriages 120 years from now. <laughs> so, and that is why Elon Musk is offering horses because we're all going to need them. If- there, there we go. Man, we are, we are bringing all, everything around today. Okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and as always, check out our YouTube. Uh, Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.